Amen. Take your Bible. Go with me today to Mark 22. Mark, Mark 8, verse 22. Uh, I want to talk to you today about vision. I've mapped out the entire year, and so um, I, want to, I want to encourage you to, to be in attendance as much as possible because I've taken the entirety of my year and I've ensured that, that the food that's being presented on Sunday is not only revelatory, but nutritious. That is doctrinally sound for the equipping of the believer. And I believe that what, I've, what God has given me is really like this, this blueprint for equipping the saints for the work of their ministry. So I want to encourage you to be here um, the second half of this month, I'm going to be talking about vision. I won't have time to finish all of this message in a Sunday. It's a three-part message that uses Mark 8, verse 22, Habakkuk 2, verses 1 to 3, and Proverbs 29, verse 18, in the King James Version. You've got to read that one in the King James Version. Any King James Version lovers in the house? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So read that one. You can read all the others in KG, King, New King James Version, but that one, you, Proverbs 29, verse 18, uh, and you got to read that one in King James. So uh, I'll be preaching part two and three in the midweeks, so you're going to want to be here for that if you, know, if, if you care about what you see in life. What's vision? Uh, what is vision? Let's talk about it. The subtitle of my message is Windshields and Rearview Mirrors. Windshields and Rearview Mirrors. We're going to talk about that one later, so just kind of rip that one off later over there. We don't need that right now. All right? We might, we might, maybe we'll pick that one up at the end. But Windshields and Rearview Mirrors, talking about vision. What is vision? I, I want you to write this down or just take a note, take a picture. Vision is an illustrated destiny. It's an illustrated destiny. I'll give you probably about three definitions of what I believe vision is. Vision is not what you see with your sight. Vision is what you see in your imagination. The more vivid your imagination, the more illustrated your vision. The more illustrated your vision, the more likely you will be to walk into it. This is a biblical principle found all through the Bible. When God wanted to show the patriarchs what he had for them, he would tell them things like, Abraham, get out of your tent. Walk on the sand. Look at the stars. What was he doing? He was giving him a vivid illustration of his destiny, his destination. It's an illustrated destination. We, how, many, how many have ever bought a house before? And when you went to look at that house, you took pictures, you took pictures with your mind. And then as you were in between homes, what would you do when you took pictures with your mind? What you would do when you, you looked at it, when you saw that thing. How many men uh, uh, saw a nice Harley or, or a truck or a car that you wanted? You, I've seen a road glide the other day and it won't leave my mind. Right? But what, what we did, what we began to do when we were buying our home, our second and third home, is... We would go look at it. 
The realtor would take us through and we would look at all the rooms. And, and, and uh, I remember this one time specifically when we moved to our third home. I hate to move, so... You know, it's got to be a vision from heaven if I'm moving. I hate to move. I was, as a child, I was moved every third month and all my stuff out on the curb. So I was, it was reinforced. When we buy a house, Becca, we're never moving. I shouldn't have said that. Because I was limiting the vision, the illustration of my destination. And so I walked into that house and, and they were showing me the house. But at some point I stopped. I stopped in one room. I stopped in a room, and you know what I began to do in that room? I began to place furniture in that room. I began to move myself into that room. I began to, I began to imagine what this room was going to look like. I, I looked at the garage, and I said, I'm going to park my, my Harley there, and I'm going to buy three more and park them right beside each other. Then I'm going to put heat in that joker. Then I'm going to put tools on the wall. And, then, and I began to imagine what this house would look like with me living in it. And my question to you today is, do you have a vision where your imagination is placing furniture from your life inside of it. Because until you do that, until you begin to take it off of the GPS and put it into the GPS of your mind, it won't be real. It'll be a promise that you'll hope for. But until you begin to place your furniture in your new place, and as I stood there and looked, the realtor came around a corner and she saw me. She saw me leaned up against the wall, staring into an empty room. Hey, Arabosha. Sometimes you gotta stare into an empty room. Sometimes you gotta take, sometimes you gotta look at stuff, but not look at it the way it is. You gotta look at it the way it's gonna be. Sometimes when life gets hard and, and you go through the valley of the shadow of death and you, get, you experience loss, you've got to stare at that thing, but you've got to stare through that thing into the thing where God's taking you. And as I leaned there up against the wall, the, 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 the realtor came around the corner and she said, what are you doing? You're placing furniture, aren't you? She knew what I was doing. She was like, tell me, tell me what it looks like. Tell me, tell me what you're going to do with this room. And I encourage you to get some people around you that'll say, what's it look like? Tell me what it looks like. Tell me what your future looks like. The Bible says he's giving you a hope in the future. I mean, get yourself around some people that say, this is what it looks like. Tell me. Tell me more. Tell me how you're going to move your business from this much to, to this much. Tell me what it looks like to you. Get some people around you that will clap for you louder, that will say, I, I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm cheering for you for that thing. Get some people around you that see you healed. Get some people around you that see you full of joy. Get some people around you that will encourage you and say, I know you've experienced loss, but I know God is a redeemer and he's going to make it all work for your good. For your good, God's going to work it out. I don't know how. I don't know how he takes such tragedy in life and turns it for your good, but I know that is what he's an expert at. So it's not good enough. For you to say, God's taking me to better. God's going to do this and God's going to do that. Not until you place furniture in it. So I want to encourage you. Illustrate your destiny. 
illustrate it. If you go into my office, there's, there's a wall, and it's the dream wall. And on that wall, there are pictures of my future. And I encourage you to get yourself a dream wall in your house and put some pictures on the wall and say, one day I'm moving there. One day I'll see 30,000. I keep it before me because I know that's where I'm coming into. And I don't ever want the present to distort the future. I don't ever want the, the, the present moment I am, I'm in to, to malign and make blurry what God has for me in my future. Illustrate your vision. Now, a candid question. How well do you see? How well do you see? You say, why do I need vision? You need a heavenly vision. You need a heavenly vision. Because until you gain a heavenly vision, you can't see what God sees. We were, we were in the office the other day, and we have, you know, four locations, five if you count what's happening out there in the, that world. And, and, and there were decisions being made from one, from one location. Follow me. Don't come here. One location was making decisions. That affected all of us. And I said, no, 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 don't do that. You can't do that. You, 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 you've got to listen because that perspective comes from one side. But we got to get the perspective that comes from, from, from the top down. And the reason you need a heavenly vision, like Paul said, Paul said, I've got the heavenly vision for my life. Isn't it interesting that Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and he went Blind. He went blind, but he gained the heavenly. You see, God's going to have to make you blind to what you think you know you want. He's going to have to kick you off of some horses, you know. He's going to have to knock you down off of some stuff in order to show you the real stuff. He's going to bring you high. And when he was testifying, Paul said he was talking to a king, and he said, I've received a heavenly vision, so there's nothing that can come against me. There's no, there's no, there, there's no, no, there's no penalty. that you, you, can't, you can't beat me. You can't punish me because I've received a heavenly vision. You receive a heavenly vision, there's nothing you can't endure. But until you receive the heavenly vision... You'll be moved by the ebb and flow of your circumstances. You'll be moved by pain. You'll be moved by disappointment. You'll be moved by what they say and their criticism. You'll be moved by it. But once you gain the heavenly vision, you'll look at the criticism and throw it off. You'll just shake the water right off of your back and you'll say, I know what God showed me. I will not be deterred. I know where I'm going. I know God loves me. I know God has forgiven me. I know God has redeemed me. I know God's hands on my marriage. I know God's hands on my children. I know that I know that I know. And there's nothing the enemy can do to stop what I've already seen through the heavenly vision. You need a heavenly vision. Mark 8, 22, says, yeah, that, you can't read that, huh? That's my fault, guys. I thought I was being fancy. <laughs> I, was, I was being fancy. 
I was like, I'm going to do my own. I'm going to do my own slides. <laughs> Matt, I'm sorry. I quit. You can have them back. And he came to Bethsaida. And they, they, they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, somebody, want, somebody come up here. I want to illustrate this. <laughs> never, never. Preachers, don't do that. Don't go spitting on people. Don't punch people. Don't slap them. If Jesus, just because Jesus did it, doesn't mean you could do it. No spitting on people. He spit in his eye. He spit, spit on his eyes and he put his hands on him. And he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. And he put his hands on his eyes again. And he made him look up. He made him look up. Come on, look up with me. Just look up. Just look up. He made him look up. Not down, not sideways. He made him look up. And he was restored. And he saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. There's three principles I want you to take away today. I'm going to give them to you first, then I'm going to run through them later. But these three principles are important. Your vision is only as clear as your last touch from Jesus. You hear me? Your clarity of sight and vision for where God's taking you is on, will only be as clear as the last time he spit in your eye. Somebody say, Jesus, spit in my eye. Hmm. Mm, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that feeling you're feeling in just a minute. Because you feel some kind of way about that. Nobody wants anybody to spit in their eye. Number two, vision is impaired by exposure to what is common. Your vision will, will be impaired by living in a limited place. By constant exposure to smallness. By constant exposure to your rear view mirror. Your vision is impaired when you spend too much time looking here rather than here. Clarity comes through the windshield if it's clean. But impaired vision comes from constant exposure to the past. I mean, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. God, I can't see you doing it. God, I don't know how. God, the doctor said. God, my, my bank says. God, my job says. And the whole time you're driving, looking, you're constantly exposed to where God has taken you from rather than to where God is taking you to. Constant exposure to what is common will make you crash. And number three, 
the greater the touch of Jesus, the greater the offense to your flesh. Every one of us wants vision, but nobody wants spit in their eye. But I got news for you. When Jesus touches you, he indicts who you are in that moment. Because he's indicating who you will become if you let his touch do its work. We have this man who is blind. And Jesus spits in his, first he takes him out of the, you see that? He took him out of the town. Then he spits in his eye. Now, you ever ask yourself, why was this necessary, Jesus? Well, it's necessary because oftentimes in the dry heat of the Middle East, there wouldn't be any water. There'd be no water. And this, this man had an infection. And the infection created a pus in his eyes. You ever wake up asleep in your eyes? Have you? There was one time I woke up, I had an infection in my eyes. I couldn't open my eyes. And this is the condition of this man. His vision had an infection. And the infection created a crust over his eyes. Jesus comes to him, sees him, leads him out of where he currently is, away from where he was, leaves where he was in the rearview mirror of his life, takes him into his future, and then Jesus spits on the windshield of his life. The crust that had formed required moisture. Jesus didn't just simply want to wipe away the crust. He was being gentle. He's a good shepherd. He's, he's the healing balm of Gilead. His saliva is the only remedy for crusty vision. So he spits. Ew. Nobody liked that. Imagine that's your eyes. He spits in the guy's eye. Moistens his eyes. Wipes away the crust. The infection of sin and false belief will always keep us from seeing the greater that God has for us. There's an infection. Sin. When I ask you how good do you see, how well do you see? Most of us, 100% of us, don't see as clear as we could because sin creates an infection in your heart that spreads to your eyes and if it's not if the remedy of Jesus's touch isn't applied as soon as possible what will begin to happen is there will be this crust that will form over your eyes that will blind you from what God is trying to lead you into Sin and false belief create a crust over our eyes. 
false belief. Not just sin. Not just, not just sin. We all, we all accept that, that there is sin in our lives that impairs our ability to see our lives the way God has us to see it. But what we, what we fail to, to like concede is that perhaps our half-belief is creating a crust as well. Perhaps the areas of our life we're not fully believing. False belief is half-belief. And half-belief will keep you from seeing what God has for you. I'll show you this in Luke 6, 42. It says this, How can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own? (laughs) You see, sin has a way of distorting how we see things. And then in Matthew 6, it says, The lamp of the body is your eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But your eye, your eye just, in order for your eye to be good, it has to sell out for all of it. It just can't be half of it. It can't be just a little bit of it. False belief will make your, your vision dim. I saw this thing the other day. I thought it was funny. It, uh, I forget who said it to me. They said, uh, it was some kind of, you know, you scroll and you see. They said, uh, hey, guys, can we, can we stop sexy church? I know. I, I, that's what got my attention, Elder. He said, listen, can you just turn the lights on? I'm over, I'm over, I'm over sexy church. Can we just turn the lights on? Right? Can we just stop trying to be cool? Turn the lights on. Can we just turn the lights on in the house? I'm done with it. You know what God wants to do? He just wants to turn the lights on. But in order to turn the lights on, you have to get rid of false belief. You know what false belief is? Your belief. You know what's wrong with the world? You want to know why the world can't see clearly? You want to know why there's such perversion in the world? It's because they have their beliefs, but not his belief. And until you get his belief, you won't see it the way you're supposed to see it. It won't ever be what it's supposed to be because we're all seeing it the way we want to see it. We're, we're looking at it, you know, half, you know, Paul said, I see now dimly. I see dimly. So you have to deal with the sin of the infection. And the infection is offensive to the believer. It's, infect, it's, it's offensive. So how does, how does Jesus do this? How does Jesus deal with our, our impaired vision? You have to change your sight to improve your sight. Jesus took him away. S-I-T-E. Took him away from the sight that created the infection. And if you're going to see clearly in 2023, you're going to have to change your sight to improve your vision. So I just want you to know, by faith, God's leading you away from what is common. 
common belief, what others accept as acceptable, what your friends and your family believe, anything that's common, God is taking you away from the common. You are driving away. It says he took him by the hand and he led him out of the city. He said, no, I, I got to get you away from that because that has impaired the way you see your future. And oftentimes, God will separate most 100% of the time, God will sanctify and he will pull you away from smallness, from small-mindedness, from vision that is impaired. Vision is affected by your environment. You can walk through the Bible and see this. Paul was pulled away. Abraham was pulled away. Jacob was pulled away. Joseph was pulled away. David was pulled away. You look at anybody who did anything significant with their life in the Bible, and what you will see is they were pulled away from where they were from. They were removed out of what they knew and they were brought into a land that they did not know but God knew. So, it, so you got to get away from smallness and good enough. I'm talking to you business owners today. You have got to get a heavenly vision for your business. And you've got to put to bed crucify good enough you got to get you got to get rid of that my man crucify it's the holy ghost man you got to get rid of it so just say this with me in 2023 i'm leaving smallness and good enough it's going to get it's it's in the rearview mirror Number two, the deeper the healing, the greater the, this is how Jesus heals sight, vision. This is how, this is how you gain the heavenly vision. One, you gotta change your sight to change your sight. Number two, you gotta, deep, you gotta understand, the deeper the, the healing, the greater the offense to your flesh. You, you've, got to, you've got to welcome the rebuke of Jesus. You, you've got to say to Jesus every day, Spit in my eye. Because he will offend you. If you want to be healed, he's going to offend you. If you want to go somewhere good, great. If you want your destiny to be reached, it's going to offend where you come from. Now, don't you, we ain't nothing wrong with where I come from. Right now, there's a chip on your shoulder. Nothing wrong with where I come from. Nothing wrong with that. You know what? Most people, most people can't get past that. They say, nothing wrong with Campito. That's where I'm from. That's where I'm from, yes. But until I get to where God's taking me, I can't help where I'm from. And, and you've got to get this understanding. You have got to allow yourself to be convicted by the Holy Spirit from living in small places. The, sal the saliva of Jesus is the only salve to vision. The saliva of Jesus is the only salvation. Spit equals truth equals healing. <laughs> if, if you let Jesus touch you, isn't it interesting that it was, it was his mouth that was used? Jesus 
The truth that came out of his mouth comes a double-edged sword. Truth. Every word that is truth, it comes out. <clears throat> and when truth hits the crust of your life, it, it, it will heal you. But it's going to be offensive when he touches you. It's going to hurt and indict where you are. It's going to bring conviction to where you are. And until you make that resolve in your heart to say, I'd rather be rebuked and get some greatness than I would to to remain in smallness. No, just comfort me with smallness. Just surround me with smallness. Make me the king of little. Make me the big big goldfish in a one-gallon tank. Make me the, 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 the king tut of the small place. No, Jesus doesn't want that for you. Jesus wants to put you in a bigger place, but until you surrender the smaller place and repent and say, God, spit in my eye. Jesus, spit in my eye, I don't want to be less than what you paid for. I want to be all that you paid for. I want to come into the fullness of your promise for me, so go ahead and spit in my eye. Go ahead and offend me, God. Go ahead and touch me in ways that makes me walk different, that makes me knock me off of my horse, Jesus. Knock me off. And it says when Jesus knocked him off, he said, why do you kick against the goad? Even Paul was kicking against it. Even Paul was, 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 was mad at it. So why you got to kick me off. He was kicking against where Jesus was trying to take him. But until you get the heavenly vision, it'll offend you. But let it offend you. Let it offend you all the way to your destiny. Let it offend your flesh all the way to the greatness that God's trying to get you in. Man, shoot and shoot again. Man, keep on going till you reach where you're going to. God, spit in my eye tomorrow. If I don't see right, spit again. And then third, your vision is only as clear as your last touch from Jesus. The touch of Jesus is progressive. One dab won't do you. One trip to the altar isn't enough. One Sunday isn't enough. We, you can... What you, the principle you pull from this is, if I'm going to see right, it's going to take constant. I'm going to have to get a touch from Jesus tomorrow. I'm going to have to get a touch from Jesus the day after that. Every time Jesus is present, I'm looking for a touch. Why? Because I want to see the heavenly vision that God has for me. I want to see the church open. I want to see the womb open. I want to see my children open. I want to see the resurrection life. The only way I'm going to see that is if I come back again, say, Jesus, spit in my eye. I come back again, say, Jesus, spit in my eye. I come back again, say, it's progressive. But your clarity is only, is only as good as your last touch from Jesus. Now ask yourself this, when's the last time he touched you? Now, if, 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 it, if, it, if, if it was like last week, it's not enough. It's got to be this morning. So I, I, he touched me this morning. I need vision for the day. I need heavenly vision for the day. I can't go one second without seeing clear. I don't want to be walking around in the dark. Holy Ghost illuminates the dark. I need to see right. Open my eyes. So the touch of Jesus is needed repeatedly in order to bring clarity to your destiny. You want to put furniture in it? You got to see right. You want to live in it? You want to hold it? 
got to see right. The first touch, now, now here we know it's progressive because Jesus spits in his eye, pulls it away, says, do you see? He said, I see a little bit. How many can say, I see a little bit? I see a little bit. You ever, you ever get something from Jesus? I see it a little bit. I'd like to see it better. If you want to see it better, you need a second touch. He said, Jesus, I need a second touch. Me and Dad and, and Adrian drove down to Florida just uh, after the hurricane. And uh, we, we were looking for this rental car because Dad, Dad wanted to take everything down there. And so we had to get a big enough rental truck to, to do it. And so we got in this. We, we hurried the guys, you know. So everybody would just lift hands like this. Just lift hands like that. Yep, I'm gonna, yep, yep, come on. Whew. Amen. Focus back here. It works. It works, guys. Because, you know, you just tend to like, oh, man, that's chicken at home. There's, you know. I wonder if it's snowing outside yet, you know what I mean? Come on, I'm almost done. This is going to help you, all right? So you go to this rental company, and it was ran like, you know, it was ran like, you know, Roscoe and them, you know what I mean? It was just, it was, it was something, you know? I went in, there was trash all over the floor, it smelled like fried chicken, and I was just like, okay, yeah, here we are. I got a rental car, he said, no, nah, I don't got it. I said, what do you mean? I, uh, you know, I don't got that, but I got that. He pointed to some big thing. I said, that's not what I rented. And uh, so, you know, we go through this whole rigmarole, and I said, hey, uh, all right, so what, do you, what else do you have? You know, so he, he takes us in the back, and he shows us this SUV, and I said, I want that. He said, oh, that's not clean. I opened it up, and he was right. It was not clean at all. Listen, it looked like there was hobos living in there for, like, Three months, you know, and so I said, listen, fine, we'll take this. And so we jumped in this, we hurried up, pulled all the trash out, jumped in, and we took off. We didn't even think about it. We just took off, and we got to the gas station, and, and so we, we, cleaned, we cleaned the windshield when we got to the gas station. We hurried up, and we cleaned the windshield off real good, and I, because because we couldn't see that clear, you know, like I couldn't see that good. I was looking through the windshield, and I said, man, it's, it's dirty, I can't. I can't really see where I'm going, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, you squirt the juice on there and, and you know, and you try, I know it's gross, right? Don't touch my hand when I get down from here. <laughs> and it was just, and it was smeared all over there and I couldn't see. And, but, but you know what we did? You know what we all do when we can't see? We keep driving. <laughs> we keep driving. We're driving a 4,000-pound missile at 90 miles an hour down 71 South, heading as fast as we can. Can't see nothing. I mean, it's just like, can you see? I can't see. <laughs> I looked over. Dad's in the back. He said, I can't see either. You know, we're all just driving. But you know what you continue to do is you just keep on going. And when you keep on going, when you can't see, you, you're in you put yourself in danger and everybody else who's attached to you, in danger. At one point, now check this out. This is how resilient we are. I don't even know if resilience is a good word. This is how dumb we are. That's a better word. We drove for four states, y'all. We went through four states. We kept cleaning the outside. I was like, man, something wrong with this window. I think this window got dirt tint. There's something wrong with it. I can't see. We get off this exit four states away. You know what, Dad? Dad leans in from the back. He said, I think that's on the inside, guys. 
We drove for four states. I reached up with a napkin. I said, said, well, would you look at there? We drove for four states with a dirty windshield, thinking it was only on the outside, but to find out what was on the inside was most affecting how we were seeing. And when Jesus touches the man the second time, he was dealing with what was on the inside of him. The outside was the first touch. The second touch deals with your heart. The second touch deals with your mind. That second touch will resurrect the dead. That second touch will bring it back to life. You just need a second touch that God spit in my eye and may it go down into my heart and clean my heart of offense and bitterness and brokenness because what's on the inside is affecting how I see my life on the outside. Because of the dirt on the inside, there's shame. Because of the dirt on the inside, there's condemnation. Because of the dirt on the inside, I got to live in less than what I was destined for. Because there's dirt on the inside, you'll drive less than what God paid for. Because there's dirt on the inside, you'll settle for less a man than God has for you. Because there's dirt on the inside, you'll let your, your kids come halfway in faith. But if you'll ever get clean on the inside, if you'll let the t- of God touch you on the inside, he'll clean the inside, and the inside will make you see it exactly how it's supposed to be. So I'll close now. I'll close. Here's what I want you to do. When you came in today, you received a mirror. You get that mirror? Yeah, if you didn't get one, just raise your hand. They'll bring you one. Now, here's what I want you to do. For the rest of 2023, I want you to carry that thing around with you. I want you to carry it around with you. Some up here, guys. Can you help me? Do you have any more? Yeah, just toss them over there. Come on, throw it over here, Elder. Just, yeah, just throw it. There you go. There's one right there. There you go. There you go. Help them, help them. Now, the reason I want you to have this I want you to remind yourself, as you're going through 2023, that any time, look at Elder Jackie, she's back there looking at herself, she's like, I look, I look good, I like this, this is good. <laughs> Rearview mirrors are, they're a point of reference, and what they do is there proof of progress? They prove how far you've come. You can't live in them. They're just a point of reference. You can't. But what it does is when you look at it, if yesterday is smaller than today, That's a good point of reference. If everything in your life, you see, sin can't live in this. It can't live on the windshield. Sin can't live on your windshield. So if you look in your rearview mirror and you keep seeing sin, you need a touch. 
When you look in that mirror, here's what. I want you to know, there is now, therefore, no, none, zero, zilch, no condemnation. I don't live there. I live here. And as long as I live here, all the sin in my life gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm passing up all the haters and I'm bye, see ya. I just pass you on the left. See you later. I'll see you later. I bye bye. I'm gone. I'm not staying there. You can stay there if you want to, but I'm not staying there. I live in the windshield of my life. So I want you to take that mirror around with you everywhere you go. And the moment the enemy tries to tell you you can't do it, you're not worthy, he tries to remind you of your sin, he tries to take you back to that thing, I just want you to pull the mirror out of your pocket and look at it and say, no, no, I'm not going there. See you later. Bye. I don't, I don't live there no more. See you later. I don't care if it's a family member. I don't care if it's your best friend. If they're trying to get you to stay in that place, you got, you got to pull that mirror out and say, bye, I got to go. I'll see you later. And you got to watch that get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Yes, Because what that does is it proves your progress. You can't stay. The business can't stay where it is. We got to wash away some stuff. from the inside you can't stay you can't stay here you can't look at that the Bible says I have a hope and a future I'm going to where God has taken me We got to clean this up. We got to clean this up. So whatever sin or false belief on the outside, we say, Jesus, deal with that. All right, Jesus, equip me. All right, Jesus, deal with it. I'm cool. Just touch me. Touch me, man. Like, go ahead and rebuke me. Go ahead. Whenever somebody criticizes me, I'm like, I always look at it and I go, Is there, there's got to be some truth in it. I take some of the truth, but not all of it. I, and I let I say, okay, clean it, and I say, clean me. Jesus touched me on the inside. Clean this up, because this is where you live. And next week I'll, I'll show you how you create a compelling vision for your life in Habakkuk two. I want you to take that mirror. Out. And I want you to look and notice how small yesterday's getting. It's over. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you cannot see. Imagination is the preview to life's coming attraction. Create an illustrated vision. Tell me, what it, tell me what that ministry looks like. Tell me, Kyle. Tell me what it looks like. I want to know what color. I want, to, I want to know what it smells like in the room. What color the chairs. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me what the business looks like. What color bricks are on the out front, outside. Tell me. 
Tell me what the baby's room looks like. Tell me. Tell me. What colors are in there? What's on the wall? Come on, stand on your feet as we close. Right now, just here's your altar call. Close your eyes, just lift them towards heaven. Take your hands like this, put them out, just look towards heaven, look towards heaven. Say, Jesus, give me my heavenly vision. Knock me off my horse. Offend me. Touch me. Heal me. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in this room. You've never received Christ. You're watching online. You've never received Christ. You must be born again. There is no middle. No decision is a decision. You walk out that door, you close off this service today. You were either going to heaven or you were destined for a place that was never intended for you called hell. You need Christ. You need Christ to see. The crust on your eyes requires the saliva of Christ. You're watching today, you're in this room today, you've never received Christ. Pray this prayer with me. All the Christians will pray it together. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent. Come into my heart. That is where the issues of life come from. Take my life now. I give it to you. Change this world all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus today? Altar ministers are coming to the front. If you need prayer today, we want to pray for you before you leave. If you gave your heart to Christ today, if you're watching online or you're in the room, gave your life to Christ today, we want to pray for you. If you need prayer, we want to pray for you. Live right, love everybody, pray hard. Get your heavenly vision. Get another touch, get another touch, get another touch. I love you, we're praying for you. Wednesday, Wednesday, part two.